Good morning, everybody. My name's Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, and it is the last day of March 2023. It's March 30th, and welcome to April. What can I tell you? Starting tomorrow, but we won't be here to welcome you tomorrow, so we'll welcome you again on Monday. Thanks for being here today. It's a little windy out here in Maine. Sunny, but very, very windy and a little bit chilly, so I hope it's warmer where you are. Today, we're, we're heading down to Maryland this morning to talk to one of my uh, favorite guests. This, this is a great honor to have David here today. Dr. David Steiner is the former New York State Commissioner of Education. He is currently the dire- executive director of the Johns Hopkins Institute for Education Policy. And he's also a professor of education at Johns Hopkins, all right, and has served on the Maryland State Board of Education. And he wrote a new book, okay, and David's so thoughtful. The book is called A Nation at Thought, Recovering Wisdom in America's Schools. And I have linked, you're looking right at the website right now, I have linked in the description a wonderful article from the Fordham Institute that David wrote about his thoughts on this, etc. Give you a nice taste for how he's thinking, then you can go and buy the book. Again, A Nation at Thought by Dr. David Steiner, Recovering Wisdom. In America's schools, and Dave will join us in just a minute. I'm just going to say we're going to archive the show at ace-ed.org. That's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity and Education. We do a lot over there about equity and access to education for all kids. Our magazine, Equity and Access, a current issue is up there right now, but it'll always be up there under archived magazines, but you'll see the cover of the magazine change to our April issue, and we've got an article on there, a lot of things about this type of thing, the book banning, et cetera, and what's going on in American schools right now in some places, which we think is just terrible. All right, so we're, so we're, we're, we did some nice articles on that, thanks to our editor, Maya Appleby. The new magazine will be up there more than likely tomorrow, maybe Saturday at the latest. We also have our teacher retention website, our SEL Today website, as well as other information we're going to talk about all these kind of things with David today because it's just so important. So everybody, everything we do is free over at ace-ed.org. So please go over there, check out what we do. We're pretty proud of it. And without further ado, good morning, David. Good morning, Larry. How are you, sir? I am fine, sir. And how are you? How's life in Maryland treating you? Good, 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 good. It's a delight to be on your show. It's always a pleasure to have you here. And, and David, it dawned on me, and I thought this was the subtitle of your book, again, A Nation of Thought, Recovering Wisdom in American School in America's Schools. And um, I, I wanted you to define the word wisdom as you see it. You want that brought back, okay? But how do you define wisdom? I'm just Great curious question. About yes. Thank you. So think about it as thoughtfulness. Um, when we are alone with our thoughts and we are more alone with ourselves than in anyone else's company, after all, what is inside our minds? What have we retained from uh, our many years of education? Uh, what pieces of, of literature or stories, what images of paintings, what music, um, what mathematical concepts, what science? What is in there? What's the quality of what's inside, the furnishings, if you will, of our mind? And I'm suggesting that uh, American education is increasingly just betraying the promise of equipping us with things that are worth being in the company of, thoughts that are worth Mm. having stored in in our thoughts, 
Um, and it, it, this is important because when we're in moments of solitude and, and even unhappiness and tragedy, which we will all encounter, uh, those Absolutely. companions, right, are, are our crucial companions. Uh, and I don't think any of us who've had the privilege of strong educations would give it back, right, would, would empty our minds of those companions. And I think we owe it to every American child to allow them to furnish their own minds with the best that we can offer. And I, couldn't, I, I do agree with you on that because I, you just think back on all the things you were exposed to. And it, they, it, it's funny when you think back on your K-12 education, you, you kind of were a kid and it didn't matter that much, but somehow they got in there. All right. Exactly. And it matters. Exactly. It matters over the course of time. You know, I probably scoffed when they started teaching me about the Michelangelo and the Sistine Chapel. And it was probably right. one page. But eventually it all mattered. OK. Exactly. And, and, of, and what you retain yeah. matters. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it really does. So, David, you've been in this a long time. OK. Some, and I agree with you. Things have changed. Now, to be fair, it's a changing world. Okay, social yes. media didn't yes. exist back then. Okay, right. all the things that are, in my opinion, probably yours too, the little nuts today, okay, didn't exist. Okay, so it's a different world. We're teaching it. All right. When did this change? How, you can do another 16 books on this. When did it change? How did it change? Where do we go off the path of? of academia and by the way i have to say something i i had juliet on a couple of uh, juliana on a couple of weeks a week ago okay from johns hopkins right okay yes and get juliana blue gear okay all right and and um okay I, I was thinking you know it's just so funny i always bring up i i you'd say big hello to her too to ashley burner i always think of her i never had her as a teacher but she taught me so much and we did it but ashley's a professor she always talks about rigor, okay, and yeah. how, how yeah. good it is, you know, to be rigorous with your kids. And I, I think that's part and parcel of what you think is missing, okay, in today's school. I'm not sure of that, okay, but it seems that we've moved away from those kinds of things. We've moved away from, from rigor, from academia, from just deep diving in, 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 into culture, if I may. Okay, right. about well, I think several, we several what things. Happened? Yeah, several yeah, things. Yeah, I just, they'll unpack that question if you can. Yeah, Sorry right. about that. That's have, a bad one. How many, yeah. how many days do we have? But very quickly, um, <laughs> first, first of all, uh, we have greatly expanded the population we try to teach. Remember that we have uh, students from all over the world where English right. isn't the first language, right? So first of all, we've had to broaden our horizons um, and really bring in students uh, who, who are fresh to English, fresh to the United States in unprecedented numbers, not since the, really the end of the 19th century have we seen an explosion like this. That's, that's uh, secondly, right. right, secondly, we do have this enormous competition from social media that is instantly appealing to young people, right? And in competition with that, uh, the book on the desk uh, is is inferior in its how should we put it? Its visceral immediacy. Um, and the teachers, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, uh, could be the most interesting thing automatically in a in a day. Today, they find themselves 
competing, right, with the smartphone, mm. um, even during yeah. the moment they're trying to teach. Thirdly, yeah. we've become depressed, right? We've had 20 years of absolutely flat 12th grade performance uh, and a situation in which the underprivileged child is doing worse relative right. to her or his wealthy peer. And when you get year after year of depressing results, it's only human to say, gosh, isn't there something else we can pay attention to instead of math and English and science and history and, and the rest? Maybe we should be focused on critical thinking and grit and positive mindset, right? Maybe it's more, more interesting to teach critical thinking than to teach the substance that we could think critically about, right? So we can <laughs> bypass the right. content, right, and just teach the skill. Uh, so much more fun. Uh, and wow, to think of students' social and emotional uh, well-being rather than teaching them trigonometry, well, which would you choose, right? So yeah. I, I think that there have been a, an accumulation of different pressures against a focus on compelling academics. You know, you used the word, and you used this a couple of times, and you were just explaining that, and I never thought of it quite like this, but it, but it, you're, you're right. It is, we are competing yes. with social media. We are competing with all these other forces, okay? Yes. And some days I think the other forces are winning. Okay. They no are, and we've not both. been good. At, we've not been good at harnessing them. Yeah. Uh, we 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 tend to think of school either as, uh, you know, the teacher standing up and delivering, um, or the child staring at a screen, uh, whereas we we have not been creative about about rigorous research projects that engage children with social media, but with academic rigor. We have not been able to cross the boundaries of contemporary forms of knowledge delivery with academic self-discipline, with discovery, yeah. right, with high standards. Um, and so increasingly, we've got this massive divide where the schoolroom looks much like it did right in the 16th century, uh, plus a screen, <laughs> right, plus a computer screen. Right. And, and we move the child from the 16th century to a very passive version of the 21st century with, with no creative blending. So, all right, but, but you are at Johns Hopkins, a, a premier institution, okay? You're the New York, you're the former New York State Commissioner of Education. David, you know how much I think of you. I think you're wonderful. Okay, I think just brilliant with all this. Okay, is there anywhere where, there's, where, the, where this change is being made? And I'm thinking there is in private schools. Okay, I know my son went to private school. Okay, and I lived in Exeter, New Hampshire. Okay, which is one of the biggest, Phillips Exeter. Okay, one of the biggest private schools there is. All right, where they, they do take the time to really push, uh, uh, push exactly what you're saying. All right, but in public education, are there any? Is there anyone still doing this? Okay, because well, everything I yes. hear, way everything I hear from superintendents, they are so concerned. And this is key. We should talk about this. You know, post pandemic, the kids forget learning loss. There was a lot of social loss. But the, kid, yes. the kids came back, and it's pretty, it's it's tough out there. And so the social emotional learning is something they uh, that is one of their top priorities. 
Okay? Right. Now, I'm a I understand. Leader, social and emotional learning should be separate. It should just be part and parcel of academic learning. Right. So let's Okay, let's we take can do that. Turn. But where, of, where's the first, example? How do we make it better? Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. Right. So yeah. first, first of all, um, unless your son was on a scholarship, um, the, the cost of that education oh, is brutal. Uh, is, let's say it's brutal, yes. And let's it's say brutal. that it's also, more than college. By the way, he didn't, go, right. he didn't go to Exeter, although we lived in Exeter. He didn't go to Phillips Exeter. He went to a, a school called Williston Northampton in right. Western Mass. Well, and by the, the way, he went on scholarship. Right. The point I'm making is that the the private sector is enormously varied. And sadly, uh, because we don't regulate it at all, some of the the private schools are are absolutely barren when it comes to any intellectual or academic engagement. So, you know, there's no there's no premium on just either sector. Now, in the public sector, there are some some signs of hope academically. We have for the first time a really good curriculum available and in multiple states, districts are moving to adopt them. Uh, the, the problem there is that, you know, teachers who've inherited students who are two, three, even four, five years behind, understandably are very skeptical that those students can use the rigorous curriculum materials, right? The instructional materials. Um, And this all starts at kindergarten where already we see these really tragic learning gaps because of the enormous variety of pre-K. Often kids don't get it at all. If they do, it's of low quality. So we built this inequality right from the start. Uh, Secondly, I think on, on the social and emotional, yes, it is very clear that um, American children uh, are, were very, very troubled by uh, COVID, and it didn't start there, right? We, we have a breakdown of the family unit in many, uh, many communities, uh, including here in Baltimore, the place I'm speaking to you from. Uh, we have, of course, every social, political, and economic problem in this country is dumped at the schoolhouse door. And then we say to the teachers, right. you manage it, right? You manage it. Um, the problem is that when we make teachers become mental health workers, as well as curriculum designers, as well as teachers, as well as communicators with parents, this becomes an impossible task, right? Absolutely. We, we need mental health professionals in schools, and we need teachers to understand what, what we've known for 24 centuries that they need to encourage students, that when a child comes back with a bad math test result, you don't say you're bad at math. You say, let's work together, right? And and you will be better uh, the next time. So either we we must get serious about the mental health supports and not load up teachers, right, with impossibly large numbers of tasks. I agree with that. And we have to remind ourselves of common sense and not pretend it's a new science. Right. So when we talk about positive mindset, what we're actually saying is, you know, stick with it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And and so, you know, we we should be a little cautious about all these new uh, terms and and sort of pseudoscientific invitations, all of which, in in my judgment, risk pulling us away from the core activity of making academic learning compelling. Yeah, I, I agree. One of the challenges with what you just said, and, I, and maybe you can help me with this, is that those mental health professionals, those counseling professionals, if I may, 
Okay, they, they, there's very few of them. Okay, yes, and and the, and the schools are yeah, the schools are faced with the challenge with the challenge of these kids. Okay, and yes. it's, you're right. I couldn't agree with you more. It falls on the teachers. How do we? Where, where do we? You know, how do you? How do you balance that? And, and, and so again, I, you used to be right, New York State commissioner. How do you balance it? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. So at one point, every big high school in New York City, to give you one example, had a health clinic in the school, right? Um, and that made so much sense. Um, we, we have often one counselor in a, in a school for 500 kids or 800 kids, right? We have got to think differently about the, the way a school works. We have to think of it as a team, Right, with master teachers, with student teachers, with special education folks, with a mental health expert. We don't think of medicine, right, as you're going to the hospital and you're going to be treated by one person. Right? This would make no sense, right? None at all. And yet somehow we, our model of teaching is still close the yeah. door, one human being, right, 25, 30, 35 kids, and just make it happen. Uh, this is absurd, right? Uh, teachers feel isolated, quite understandably, right? Um, they, they are trying to invent their own playlists of materials, they're trying their best, but, but we need to rethink this. We need to get them out yeah, of the silos. We need to think of, of a team approach. And again, there are points of light, right? So in the Mesa School District in Arizona, this is actually happening, a team approach to teaching. And we have early data that the teachers understandably feel much more excited about going to work. Mm -hmm. True, because they're sense. working with they're working with a team. It's that simple. Exactly. But in many cases, and uh, let's use you, let's use Baltimore as an example. Okay, uh, an urban an urban district, beautiful with diversity, but it has its challenges. Okay, of course. and yeah, as you know, you know that. How do we? Your, your ideas are wonderful, okay? I really mean that, all right? But how do we make that work? Where, where do we, and, and again, you, you, you and Johns Hopkins, you know how to do this, okay? How do we get this kind of thing started? Well, okay, where I does think, it start? let's talk about Baltimore. So Sonia Santelisis, uh, who is the CEO of the system uh, and has been very rare, I might say, in sticking with it, right? Our average superintendent in big urban school districts they, they turn over every, you know, two to three years. You're right. uh, she has now been with us for multiple years, and she's done impressive work. The, the key here is really twofold. One, you need principals who are deeply invested in, in instruction, right? Not just all the paperwork we pile on their heads. Oh, but we they do. Need to, we do. Right? But they need to lead by example, meaning they're in the classrooms. They're understanding the curriculum. They're bringing teachers together for professional development based on what they're teaching, not some generic, you know, gray teaching skill, but teaching this material today and working with them with, with, uh, every week in, in the best cases to think through how instruction's working and to share stories about how individual children are doing, right? Again, this teamwork, but it always starts with, right? We know we don't so have good schools with bad principles, uh, and it's often overlooked. And then secondly, well, that is overlooked. Right? That is overlooked. We have, we, have to teach, we have to treat teachers as professionals. That is, we have to give them time to plan together 
right? And that may mean that we group students into larger groups and make teams of teachers responsible for them, but we cannot just have teachers like automatons, right? Just going through the day, one class after another, desperately trying to get it done by themselves, that's a recipe for disaster. It really is, and you know, you brought up so many things here. First of all, I, I did a, a podcast a couple of days ago with a gentleman named Ron Nazoy, who was the CEO mm-hmm. of the National Association of Secondary School Principals. Do you know him, David, by right. any chance? I know of him. I have not met him. He's a nice guy. He's a very nice guy. And interestingly, he, he's from the Hawaii school system, which is the only yeah. statewide district in the country. Okay? Yes, that's so he correct. Brings, yes. Yeah, he brings an interesting point of view. Okay? But he, he too, and they're having their advocacy week this week, they, they too believe in the power of the principal. That's very interesting that you brought that yeah. up. At one of the yeah. challenges we have in there is the principal pipeline. Okay. Yes. Every time we bring up something that, that needs to be done, we don't have the people to do it. Okay. Well, There's something I think that, that, goofy that's an all. important point, Larry, is that most of our peer countries, particularly in the Far East, right, regard the profession of education as multiple. What I mean by that is you can have oh. a career as a mentor teacher, as a curriculum expert, as a data analyst, uh, as a communications specialist with parents and community. And we have two choices. You can be a teacher or you can go and become an assistant principal or principal. We yeah, have got to, yeah. Right. That's it. Yeah. Right. We have got to recognize that there are multiple skill sets within the teaching field. And we've got to start really building career ladders that are attractive so that down this this just very narrow vision of what it means to be in education. And I wish they would. There's another side to this, David, which we're not talking about today, but I I firmly believe this. We know a lot more literally about how people learn than we ever did. It's neuroscience, basically. And I can only speak for myself, but I don't think real basic neuroscience is taught, and I may be wrong here, in schools of education. Okay. Well, yeah, we may have a slight difference here. I do think that we have some, some useful information, particularly on how students learn to read. There we really mm-hmm. have made yeah. progress. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, a state like Mississippi now leads the nation in the growth on reading achievement because they've taken this seriously, right? Or they've done a statewide effort to train teachers on the science of reading, they've done outreach yeah. to parents, yeah. they've got good curriculum. I think in other cases, there's a, a mismatch. Neuroscience has a lot to teach us, but the translation into what we do at 9.15 right in the morning uh, can be mishandled. It, it, hmm. it, it's not a one-to-one relationship. So we have to be careful. Uh, often common I sense agree is with still that. our best guide, right? Um, I would agree with we, that, but we, we still need to know short, about it. Short of common yeah. sense, right? Yeah. Um, so, but I think that the main, the main sort of thrust of my book is to say, look, uh, we, we really mistreat children, and especially underprivileged children, if oh, we yeah. give up, if we give up on learning, right? If we, if we <laughs> just try to do the, the pseudo stuff, 
um, yes. that is not mastering. Because after all, and you know this, Larry, when a child really achieves, right, when, when she masters a mathematical concept or shows a scientific experiment, right, to her, to her peers, to her family, whether performs, right, a piece of theater, writes a poem, <laughs> that kind of self-satisfaction cannot be faked. When it is done well, when the child owns her learning, mm-hmm. that is life-affirming, right? That is life-transforming. Uh, and is. no amount of pseudo-self-esteem that is, you know, just given for nothing can ever replace that. I, I would agree. Okay, a lot of teachers listening would say, well, we're, do, we're doing that. We just have these other, these other things on top of it that we're being told from, from administration to do because there aren't enough people to do it. Is there, David, is there anyone, I love the way you just brought up Mississippi and Arkansas is another one that's really got into the science of reading. Okay. And I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. But yep. where, 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 are, is anybody, I have to, two things I would say, is anybody, are there districts doing this? Okay. Yes. Anywhere, yes. Or, you know, that we can look at and B, I have to ask you something which you'll find funny, okay? You're, what you're saying, and I, I'm not in disagreement with you, what you're saying, it, to me, is, is very conservative in thought, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yep. Make, make, yep. <laughs> I'm going to make you well, go, let, get a red hat and say, that make one. education let's, great again. Right. Make education let, great start. again, MEA, yeah. You know, right. MEGA, the MEGA, yeah. <laughs> let's start with your <laughs> second point, Larry. So let's think <laughs> about the, the, the history of uh, African American uh, civil reform, protest, right, and and radical thinking. What do Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, um, uh, well, add Baldwin, add Frederick Douglass? What do they all have in common? They all studied, often at enormous risk and cost. Malcolm X in jail. They all studied what they thought were the most compelling. Uh, texts and literature and thought because mm-hmm. they knew that they needed it, right, to be a source of their own wow. thinking and action, wow. right? Deep, deep education um, is, is radical because it gives you the material from which powerful action then becomes possible. The, 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 it's very interesting in too many uh, red states, I'm just going to say it, and blue states, yes. right? Um, one of my most depressing thoughts is that the reason we are not educating children, right, properly or rigorously, is because we don't want them to be thinking. We don't want them to be thoughtful. We don't want them to be, you know, deeply informed democratic citizens, because if they're not, they're much easier to control, much easier. Yeah, right? We're on so, the same wavelength there. i got to tell you that right. I thought that for years. I really want to insist that, that a, a strong education is, is liberating. It is, it is radical in its potential, whereas not educating, that's, that's, the, that's, the, you know, that's the way to control. That is absolutely the route to authoritarian control. Frightening, isn't it? What's going on out there? You know, I yeah, just read. It is. I, I just it read is. today. You know, there was a, a thing with the, the 
movie Bridges when she went to integrate the school in Louisiana. Yeah. And that yep. film was just removed from a Florida school that was in today's New York Times, okay, yep. because yep. a parent complained. All right, and yep. the, the Charles Blouse article in there is absolutely incredible. The right. Times I mean, Larry, my, my only hope in these, you know, examples of really atrocious uh, censorship and public policy is that it will wake people up to the value of a book, right? The value of an idea. That would be the yeah. only silver, silver lining, if you will, that we are reminded when books are pulled from the library that we actually care, right? That, that ideas matter, that access to new worlds, right, for children is everything. Um, and maybe this will be a wake-up call. That is my I hope. hope. Um, because otherwise, you know, uh, it's just pure damage, pure damage. And depriving children of the opportunity to experience new horizons, new yeah. worlds, um, is, is in my view Terrible. just a form of, of public sadism uh, of the worst kind. Well, David, do you consider yourself, do you consider your book, again, everybody, it's called The Nation of Thought, Recovering Wisdom in American Schools. Uh, and this is going to be an odd question. Do you, do you see your book as a call to action? Or do you see mm -hmm. your book, and maybe both here, as, as a philosophical text, that that's what you right. hope can happen, but in reality, can we make such a thing happen these days? What's I, I do see it as both. I do. It's a great question. I do see it as Thank both. You. Because I, I think in the end, what I really want to say is that we, we've, we've, we're at risk of falling asleep here. We, we are at risk of sleepwalking into a situation where, once again, we just become blind to what's going on in, in schools. Uh, and we, we give our own children's school an A-, minus, right, on average? Um, yeah, we do. The Japanese, right? The Japanese give their schools a C-, minus on average. And, in <laughs> fact, the performances are reverse, right? So we, we don't like to think of what we're doing to, to children. We always think the situation is worse for everyone else's children. That can't be true, right? So this is a call to say, uh, you know, please wake up. We, we have, for the last 20 years, our GPAs, right, our graduate point, our, our, sorry, our, our grade point average yeah. have been rising steadily. Our high school graduation rates, as a result, have been rising steadily. The academic performance has been ruler flat. So we're just lying to ourselves, right? Yeah. We're lying to ourselves more and more each year. We're calling success what we used to call failure, to make life easier for adults, wow. right? To make life easier for us, not, for, not an ethically responsible action for children, not at all. So, yes, this is a book that says, you know, where are we? We're in a fragmented, utterly low-performing system, and we can do better. Um, and we can do better by teachers. This is, I think, one of my, my more, you know, esoteric thoughts, if you will, is that by narrowing the curriculum, by making our English language art standards basically the same in 11th grade as they were in 5th grade, right, find the main idea, find the main idea, right, we are, we've narrowed and flattened the, the school experience 
And no wonder children's heads are on the desk, right? No wonder they're bored. And we've undermined what is exciting about teaching, which should be opening worlds, right? Um, Making stories compelling ethically, aesthetically. It's a much richer, broader, deeper enterprise if we'd only allow it to be. We, We have to be. And you know what you just said there? If teachers aren't happy in their job, we lose them. They leave their job. It's oh yeah. There were higher there were higher paying jobs out there. Okay? Leave right. me. I mean imagine that. Larry, yeah. imagine as an English teacher that your task is to go through whatever book you happen to love, right? And the only thing you're supposed to focus on in every page is find the bloomin' main idea. Right? So uh, right, Romeo and Juliet, main idea. Children <laughs> fall in love, die. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, right. I'm exaggerating, of course, but not by of course much. But your point, right. your point's taken. You know, it's just we're, we're, driving people, we're driving people crazy, and I'll tell you, we're driving people out of the profession with all this. Yes. Okay? Because yes. you've got to have yes. something. You know, when you look at the graduation grade, you go, oh, boy, you know, look how well we're doing. Right. But then you look at the right. academic, and you go, exactly. uh-oh. But, you know, yeah. and I love what yeah. you just said a few minutes ago. What used to be failure is now success. Okay, and that's a frightening right. thought. That's frightening. Right. That is I mean, a frightening thought. Yeah. Lying to oneself is not a good foundation for anyone. No, it is frankly. not. I um, tell certainly you. not for the education of our children. Um, that, hey, that is Daniel, not. Would you like me? Would you like me to introduce you to Ron Nazoy? He'll love to love to talk to you about absolutely. principles. Absolutely. Be delighted. I'll do that. Um, absolutely. He's a good delighted. guy. And so are you, by the way. You are a good guy. You're one of the good guys out there. I'll tell you. And. Uh, <laughs> what can I say? You're always welcome here, my friend. Good luck with the book. It's a nation of thought, recovering wisdoms in America's school. And quite frankly, if you don't get this together, we're screwed. Let me put it that way. Okay. Thank That's you, Larry. Really appreciate okay. it. Really appreciate David, it. David, thank you. And say, say, say hi to those two wonderful professors of yours, Julia. I will. Ashley. I work with both okay. of them, and they're, they're, both, they're it's great. an honor to work with them both. Take care now. And I, I got news. I got big news for you. They feel the same way about you. There you oh, go. They're generous. They're generous. They are. They're the best. Take care now. Be good. Thank you, David. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Larry. <laughs> that, everybody, is the one and only Dr. David Steiner, Executive Director of the Johns Hopkins Institute for Education Policy. What a good guy. Professor of Education, obviously, at Johns Hopkins. Okay. And in case you wanted to know, it's called not John Hopkins, as you know. It's John's. Uh, that Hopkins was named after his mother's family. Their last name was Johns, so he's Johns Hopkins, okay? That's the way that happened. It wasn't a misspelling, all right? Read David's book, and it, it's, uh, just go over to Amazon. It's um, called A Nation at Thought, Recovering Wisdom in America's Schools. It's really good. I got a great article linked here as well. Okay, we're going to archive at ace-ed.org. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Free k 12 Education Talk Radio. Coming up on April. Thank you, David. <laughs>